Welcome back to another episode of the Around the Block podcast from Coinbase. I'm your host, Catherine Wu. And I'm Justin Mart. J-Mart, what are we talking about this week? I think this is kind of an exciting but challenging topic to address. We want to talk about risk in crypto. Talk about all the different ways, you know, you hear about hacks in the news, you hear about protocols getting exploited, you hear about people losing money. And uh, I think it's exciting because it actually is indicative of some of the opportunity in crypto, but it's also scary, right? Yes. And the more boring part is like, how should we think about de-risking ourselves? Because, you know, there are steps and there are best practices and that might seem boring, but uh, I do think it's fair to actually address a lot of the hacks and the headlines because I do think actually just like anecdotally, um, people sometimes hesitate to take jobs at crypto companies because they're like, oh, but I don't know, like hear about these hacks. I don't know if this is like a good sign for the industry. And I've actually had to talk to someone this week to convince her on taking a job at a really, really cool, actually, like NFT company because she was reading headlines and got a little bit scared about making this move. So I actually think it's pretty timely to talk about this. Yeah, it's also true if people are playing around in crypto and they're scared to do anything because they're worried they're going to lose their money. So there's a lot of kind of consternation and worry out there. Um, and I just I feel like it's important for us to address it, to talk from, you know, in a sober manner about what these risks really are. And as you say, the takeaway to me is how can people protect themselves and how should they be thinking about the risks that do exist in crypto? Hopefully it will shed more light on just, you know, what are the inner workings of a hack and, you know, kind of what we can do. Um, both of the things that are inside our control and the things that are outside of control, like how to actually think about risk. Yeah, and, and maybe to your point, there was a rather significant recent event that occurred. Uh, if you've heard about this in the news before, the wormhole bridge, this is, crypto's got funny names, right? But <laughs> basically this, uh, this, this protocol, this project that was bridging assets from one ecosystem to another, in this case, from Ethereum to Solana, was exploited. Somebody managed to take advantage of that bridge and run away, at least as of the time that we're talking here, uh, they managed to run away with $250 million in, in you know, value. Um, so we're going to get into that a little bit and talk about kind of the anatomy of a hack. But that's just one type of hack, as you mentioned. There are many other things that go wrong. We want to kind of give a, a comprehensive overview on how to stay safe and what these different you know hacks look like. Yeah. So I thought it'd be interesting, actually, if we just kind of provide a groundwork on why people are playing around in DeFi at all or in crypto at all, given that hacks occur. Like, you know, there's a challenge here, but maybe it's just important to kind of reset and remember, hey, why are people playing around in crypto to begin with? So what do you think? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons people are excited about crypto and like this is like, you know, you want to participate in something that is really exciting and like there's a bunch of ways to participate in crypto, right? There is the like NFT side. And so that's like the more social stuff. And like we've covered that before, or it's about like owning an NFT. That's also things we've covered before on the podcast. It's about participating in new financial products, uh, being on the forefront of new financial innovations. Um, and, you know, it's about yield, which is that like when you participate in crypto, oftentimes you're getting insane APRs that you're just not getting at your bank, right? So there are a lot of reasons to participate. There are a lot of reasons to be excited. Um, however, uh, as with everything that's exciting, there are always downsides and risks. And so I think today we should break it down in like two types of risks. And I think I like to think about it as the risks that are in your control and the risks that are outside of your control. So let's let's kind of talk about each of them together, right? There's risks and hacks that can occur, but really you could have avoided it. What are some examples of those things? 
Okay, so breaking it down, right? Things that are within your control is very much things that we covered in our crypto security podcast with Mark from Coinbase. And that's very much just like, what are best practices, right? So like that includes, um, you know, uh, storing, like figuring out where to store your own assets. That's like, you know, how do you watch out for like, common phishing scams and this happens in like emails too right like we made that joke about like the email about like oh like i'm a nigerian prince and i'm gonna give you 50 million dollars and you just have to give me your social security like that also happens in crypto land right um when things sound too good to be true maybe think about it um there was this like big uh weird trend last year where like people were impersonating elon musk like giving away crypto and people were just like sending stuff uh that was probably not information you should have sent and got hacked that way so like these are things that i think are a little bit more within your control and like there is a realm of like best practices in which you can de-risk yourself from not falling into like these more like common either it's like phishing scams or just knowing where to store your crypto securely you know, I'm not sure about you, but I, for one, am always a little bit perplexed and shocked that the Nigerian Prince scam is still around, right? Like, <laughs> and it's kind of a call out to the fact that, hey, the internet came around and suddenly scammers realized they could take advantage of this by talking to a bunch of people and pretending they're the Nigerian Prince. And yeah. what, 30 well, years actually, later, Well, actually, they're pretending following... to be Elon Musk now. Elon <laughs> Musk actually has replaced the Nigerian yeah, it's Prince. apparently a little more um, believable, and... right? So now, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Some very wealthy person wants to give you money. Yay. <laughs> no, too good to be true. Don't fall for it. Um, but it's kind of regurgitation of stuff we've seen before. It's not necessarily anything super novel or new in this category of risks. Mm -hmm. Again, if Elon wants to give you money, uh, don't do it because it's too good to be true. That's common yes. sense, right? But by the way, I just want to say, and this is actually embarrassing, and I was going to take this to my grave, actually. <laughs> I want to But I actually did fall for a phishing scam last week. Whoa, okay. It was just literally, like, it's so embarrassing that actually, like, I don't know why I'm telling you this. Uh, but it was in Discord. Like, I had joined a new group and, like, someone DM'd me. And, like, I don't know. I was, I think just, like, in my excitement, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I just joined this group. The official moderator is DMing me. Like, they're telling me where to go to, like, actually claim it. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, great. And, like, this is so dumb because, like, as someone who's been in crypto, I thought I was smarter than this. But mm -hmm. my point is, like, people fall for efficient scams. And, like, luckily for me, it wasn't a huge money amount of money that I lost. But it still happens, you know? Like, they yeah. take advantage of, like, your excitement or your, like, just, like, intense emotions. And you just, like, don't stop to think for two seconds. Yeah. Maybe it's also just a lesson that, hey, if you did get hacked, you're not alone. And yes. I think there might, I don't know, I'd ask, ask you, did you feel like any sense of shame of like, oh my gosh, how can I be oh, so stupid? Oh, intensely. I literally like crawled, I like basically crawled into bed for the rest <laughs> of the day because I was so embarrassed to even think about it. Now, every time I see the NFT project, I feel a deep sense of shame that like, oh my God, like, it, and to be clear, by the way, it wasn't the project that scammed me. It was someone impersonating as yeah. an official moderator of the project. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, maybe this is a little bit of a lesson that, you know, when there are, when you are excited about something, when there's also when there's money involved, when there's opportunity there, people can kind of lose their common sense a little bit. It's actually very common, right? Because again, your emotions are there. You're excited about it. And, oh, this person says, you know, they're the moderator of a discord and you can trust them and, oh, they're just trying to help you. And then the next thing you know, oh my gosh, you lost your money. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm like, I don't want to get canceled for admitting that I fell for a scam <laughs> as like someone who knows better and is sitting here giving advice. But I don't know. I just like, uh, Frankly, you're not going to get canceled. This is a great point. Everyone. Yeah, it happens yeah. to everybody. And this is actually just even more of, I think it's it's an empathetic thing, right? It's like, look, you're not alone if it's happened to you and don't be ashamed about it. But let's use this example as a way to learn from it. Can you actually tell us like, how did they end up taking your money? What was the back end of this? What was the thing where you should have been like, oh, red flag, don't do this? What, what happened there? 
Oh, such a good question. Um, and playing it back, it's so obvious. So what what happened was I joined a group. Uh, someone who was impersonating the official like moderator of the group sent me a link like, hey, this is actually where you should go claim your NFTs. And I clicked on it and it actually took me to a page that looked very, very real. Right. And there was a big button that just said like mint. And so I just, you know, I put like, uh, I'm not going to say how much money, but like put it, put some money into the wallet. And then I just hit the button and I thought it would give me the NFT. But what it actually is, is a button that disguises as a transfer button. So what I actually did was send my ETH into someone else's wallet. Yes. And it obviously didn't give me anything back. Now, of course, like in my confusion, I went back to the page and then I tried to click on like tabs that would have taken me to other pages and realized it was a dead, it was like a dead link. So it was just, honestly, they took me to a page that was dressed up really well. If you actually even took a second to even click into the other web pages, you would have realized it wasn't a real page. Um, so we and that was not what I realized because I didn't take the two seconds to click around and like figure out if this was a real web page. Yeah. So I guess this would be classically referred to as a phishing scam, right? Where yes, they I made a website got, that yes. looked just like the real thing. And then somebody who purported to be a moderator, somebody in control sent you there, right? So maybe... As far when we talk about best practice and how people can protect themselves, where they should use common sense, let's break this down, right? Because anytime you are clicking a button that will send money or perform an action out of your wallet, that's when you need to pause and ask yourself, does everything look legit? And frankly, your example here, you should double and triple check these things because there can be subtle differences that you need to look at and make sure it's all correct. And it, you don't have to be tech savvy, right? Like, I mean, listen, like, let's not dwell on my my mistake, <laughs> but like, it, I could have taken this two seconds just to click on another button um, just to verify, right? If you click the top button, does it take you to the homepage? If you click like, you know, about, does it actually take you to the, to the about page? And if it's not, then like that should ring like some bells for you. So like, you don't even need to be technical. You don't even need to understand how like the blockchain works. It's just like, does everything look right to you? Right. Yep. It, it literally was it's two seconds. Um, yep. And, you know, I could have saved myself some money and a lot of shame. I think it's a great learning lesson there, right? So I'll say this, you know, I've been in crypto for a while, even to this day, anytime that I want to push a button that's going to affect my assets or, or write a transaction to the blockchain or send money, I always pause. And I was like, okay, does the domain look correct? Do, the, do, do these parameters look correct? Do I know how I got here? Usually what I'll do, by the way, is I'll search or I'll make sure I'm on the official website. I'll double check the website very carefully, right? Because even for me, right? I just, I need to make sure that I'm playing correctly and I haven't been sort of fished along the way. This might sound a little bit scary that you gotta take these checks and precautions. And we're gonna get into a little bit of like the state of the crypto industry a bit later in this podcast and wrap this up as far as like, okay, we're early in the space. We should expect things to be a little bit rougher on the edges sometimes. But we should also expect the industry to get better, mature over time, and figure out how to help consumers make sure they don't fall for these things. Yes, yes. But at the same time, when you're sending money anywhere, period, crypto or not, you should be checking. Like, if I'm Venmo Venmoing somebody, you're doing the basic thing of, like, is this the right Venmo, right? We've all, all done the mistake of, like, we Venmo the wrong person and had to, like, beg the other person to send us back the money, right? And sometimes it happens, and sometimes it doesn't. Or maybe this is just me, because I tend to do this a lot, I guess. But you should just check where you're sending your money. It's, it's common sense, frankly, right? It's, it's, but, but, you know, when, when you're in the moment, it's, it's actually a little bit harder to, to remember that because again, you're excited about it. Now, okay. That's a wrap for the things that are within your control that takes maybe three to five seconds to verify. Now onto the things that are a little bit outside of your control and maybe like how we should think about that. So when we say, uh, risk, like especially taking risk in crypto that is outside your control, what we really mean is like, maybe this is a breakdown from the smart contract itself, right? So this is like a breakdown or 
bug in the code itself. So this is obviously not something that you and I can do because as users, I don't have access to the code, right? I'm trusting the code. That's actually the whole point. So the things that are outside of my control that are actually really scary is where there's actually a bug in the code um, that causes it to be hacked later on um, down the, or down the line, right? And that's like very outside of my control. And this is what happened, by the way, with the, uh, the big hack recently over Wormhole, the cross-chain bridge um, solution. Like someone basically... If you think about the bridge communication, you could think about it as like ways different blockchains talk to each other. And there's like a bridge that like bridges the two blockchains. And what happened really was that like the asset on its way going from one end of the bridge to another, um, it got hacked before it even got on the bridge. Yeah. That make, yeah. That's, that's like a high level explanation. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, you're certainly, the framing here is correct. As you say, this class of attacks, right? They're things that are outside of your control. So you pointed out one of them, one of them is smart contract hacks where there's a bug in the code itself. Remember that crypto is basically programmable money. And that means that there are programs that control money. But guess what? Programs have bugs sometimes. And so we as an industry are trying to wrestle with this idea that, hey, these base protocols that we think are solid and secure and are doing the simple thing, ooh, there could be an exploit. And somebody could exploit that program and just take the money, kind of rug pull it, right? That is scary, right? The other thing that I would call it here too is if you're holding your money at an exchange, and if the exchange has poor security practices, maybe somebody gets into that exchange and manages to extract money that way. We've seen this in the past as well. We've seen both of these classes. But in both of these classes, you as a consumer are more or less participating in this ecosystem, have done nothing wrong. Your passwords are secure, you're checking for phishing scams, you're doing all the right things, and still the underlying protocol, the underlying exchange was hacked and the money was taken from you. As you say, it's a little bit scarier, but I think this is where we wanna demystify it a little bit. We wanna talk about how this happens and maybe provide a frame on why, in my opinion, it's not quite as scary as it might first appear. Yeah, I, I think, you know, things are outside of your control, but it doesn't mean all hope is lost. And I do think that, like, <laughs> you know, both uh, there are good examples in the traditional world, uh, which is that, like, uh, banks get robbed all the time. But people continue to put their money into banks, right? And and I actually looked this statistic up because I was actually really curious. So uh, I I mean whatever, maybe things on the internet aren't true, but anyways, I saw a stat that was basically like every year there are three to four thousand bank robberies. A lot. Right? Like that's insane. And like you hear about this, and then I was looking up like the largest bank robberies in the world, blah, blah, blah. And they're like in the hundreds of millions of dollars. So like my whole point is just like, yeah, those are outside of your control too. You put your money in a bank and the bank gets robbed and you know they get away with hundreds of millions of dollars, but you continue to put your money in a bank. Yeah. Now, what makes it less scary is banks have probably fortified their security. Maybe you feel better about insurance. Like there are ways that banks are doing that maybe make you more uh feel like, okay, even though it happens, I still feel okay. So like, how do we translate now this to the crypto world? Yeah, this is a great point, right? Uh, if I were to kind of take a step back and think about these two industries, first of all, the banking industry that's evolved and matured over the past 100 years or so, and crypto, which has been around for, oh, what, five years, right? Well, the banking industry, well, man, Wells Fargo, right? The name was basically these guys on, on you know, wheel, wagon back or whatever, or transporting money, and they've got shotguns, right? That's Wells Fargo. <laughs> That was the initial day of like, oh my gosh, you know, we got to protect against fraud, right? Um, and it's evolved. And today, you know, we still do have, as you say, bank robberies, credit cards, right? They get stolen all the time. It happens all the time. But the difference is, well, the banks made it harder to get robbed. Credit cards made it easier to detect fraud. And by the way, when it does happen, consumers generally are not left holding the bag. There's a measure of insurance, there's a measure of protection. So the banking industry has 100 years on us. Crypto's been around for five years. We're nascent, but we're going down the same path. 
we will figure out how to make the protocols more and more secure, how to make sure that the underlying you know, smart contracts are not going to get exploited or when they are, it's less frequent, less severe. We're figuring out best practice. Yeah, well, like, I mean, let's let's talk about this a little bit, maybe on concrete terms. In the real world, in the non-crypto world, like if the bank gets robbed, I still feel okay because there's FDIC insurance. So I know I'm insured up to a certain amount of money, right? So like I'm, I'm my loss is actually like kind of limited to to like a certain amount. Uh, on the flip side, if my credit card gets stolen, I just call my bank, you know, like someone stole my credit card a few years ago. They like went to Best Buy and bought like a hundred gift cards and like I got that money all back, right? So like there are avenues to do that in the traditional world. Now in the crypto world, uh, it kind of depends, right? So like if your money is lost on an exchange, like this kind of is like, okay, this is why you need to go to a good reputable exchange because like generally speaking, um, at least in the past, like sometimes uh, like reputable players will stop come in to basically cover the losses from the consumer side right and and this even goes to the most recent hack the wormhole hack actually jump crypto which is like a huge crypto trading firm came in and, and basically like covered all of those losses they covered like 250 million dollars worth of losses right because like wormhole is backed by reputable backers or used by reputable pe people and so like there i think this like is a little bit of like how you should diligence like even what kind of crypto contracts and products you want to interact with. It's like, it should number one, first and foremost, be backed by or be done by reputable players. So we basically traced out how in this, in this interoperable, this, this bridge protocol where the wormhole protocol is bridging between Ethereum and Solana. And there was a bug in the underlying smart contract that a hacker exploited and managed to take away $250 million. I'm going to kind of re kind of repackage what you said here. Cause I think it's such an important point. I want to say it twice. Um, first off, I actually almost used the wormhole bridge myself. I'm playing around on Solana and I was like, oh, cool. I want to put some ether over there. I didn't end up using wormhole, but I almost did. And part of my consideration here was, well, you know, there's actually a little bit of a network effect or, or, or like a reason why large protocols are maybe more secure. And it's because they have known backers behind them. So in the wormhole case, it's backed by jump trading. It's backed by a few other venture investors. It's got a lot of institutional support behind it, if you will. And so I was like, well, if it does get hacked, there's a legitimate chance that these big players are going to be incentivized to cover it and make it whole. If I used some smaller, lesser known bridge, maybe some, you know, earlier shop, there's a bit more risk there because they don't necessarily have institutional backing. And if something does go wrong, well, maybe nobody's left to hold the back, right? Or, or, or cover your losses. What gives me strength though, is this wormhole hack, you know, it's, it's one of actually many examples. Now they're kind of, they're not that frequent. I don't want to scare people, but I want to note that in all the cases where hacks have happened that are outside of your control, consumers have generally not been left holding the bag. It's happened a couple times, but in the vast majority of cases, the companies involved will end up covering the losses, which I think is indicative of the crypto industry coming together in a sort of self-aligned uh, way and making sure that you know, consumers are not going to get impacted by this because it's such an important thing. We need consumer protection. We need people to feel good about participating in these new, novel, innovative things. And that's been a thing. We actually haven't seen losses impact consumers. So uh, this is maybe a more crypto specific thing, but there have been cases where hackers have gotten away with the money and ended up returning it. Because if you remember, everything you do on crypto uh, is logged on chain, right? So like through literal paper trails that you actually cannot cover because everything is done logged on the blockchain, people have actually figured out like who the hackers are and then they'll like send notes to it. And like one of the examples, and I don't remember even like which hack this was, but 
Do you know what I'm talking about? There was like, um, I do people this. like, okay. So people figured out like who the hacker was and like down to like where they lived. And there's this like, I don't know, like this like prime, uh, terrorist negotiation thing, which is that like you send food <laughs> over to their house. And so actually this group of people like sent miso soup to this hacker's house. And, you know, basically as like a, we know you did it. Like I think on the, on the note, it was like, please return the funds, like on the, on the like receipt of the, from the restaurant. Um, and it ended up getting returned. This is going to be a wild true crime podcast someday of like, oh, check out this story. These, you know, bleeding edge crypto hackers managed to exploit a bug in a protocol and walk away with millions of dollars. But then guess what? Everything on the blockchain is transparent. And these vigilante investigators looked on the blockchain and sleuthed around. And guess what? They found the guy's house and sent mm -hmm. him DoorDash soup, right? <laughs> they DoorDash Threatened by way of miso soup. <laughs> yeah. And said, yo, we know who you are. Just dot, dot, yeah. dot. Like maybe you should return the funds. And guess what? The hacker returned the funds. Yeah. That's actually relatively common because that's not the only story. This happens actually again and again. And yes. so interesting here that jump trading is covering losses on wormhole as of the time we're you know talking about this. But I also wonder if the attacker is going to actually try to walk away with 250 million because that's a lot of money to try to launder through the blockchain and avoid all the internet sleuths, right? Or the companies in this case that are looking at the blockchain very carefully and investigating this. Yeah. And and I really wouldn't like underestimate the the wisdom of the crowd in these scenarios. Like, I don't know if this is like a joke among your friends, but like among my girlfriends, at least we have this joke where like, you know, you're trying to like, you meet someone, like maybe you're whatever, like you, you download a dating app, you're trying to figure out something about this person you're going on a date with. And all you have to go off is like a first name. And like, there's this joke among at least on my girlfriends that like, all I need is a first name and I can find everything down to their address and social and everything because, you know, there's just so much data out there. So like, but this is even more so in on-chain transactions because everything was literally done on the blockchain and there is proof of every transaction you make. Yep. Yep. This is the new 21st century of like cops and robbers. <laughs> I love it. It's great. <laughs> yeah. But just to make it more, bring it down, like, you know, jokes aside, like, uh, it sucks to get your money, like, uh, to, to basically like find out that, you know, you lost your money or like you lost your assets through something that's not your own fault. Um, yes. and I do think that this does point to still a pretty large gap in the crypto industry is that like we are severely lacking in good insurance, um, solutions, yeah. right? Like the U.S. government, the FDIC, which insures your U.S. dollars, unfortunately will not step in to insure your crypto assets. So I do think that leaves a pretty big gap in terms of like space we can still innovate on. And I think products people can still build, which is like crypto native insurance products. Yeah. And, uh, and just a quick call out to the around the block website, where we actually did do some research on insurance protocols, because we recognize that, hey, this is actually a very important gap in the market today. And our ventures program has made investments in promising insurance protocols as well. So while we are a little bit early in the ecosystem, again, it's been five years of crypto DeFi, and we've had hundreds of years of banking, right, or 100 or whatever. Um, we, we should expect insurance protocols to mature, evolve, and provide the level of consumer protection that the traditional banking industry enjoys today. It's just going to take some time, right? And maybe this is a good, a good kind of time to segue to kind of what are our big takeaways? How do you and I, as more or less crypto experts, feel about the risks in crypto? What's your frame on it? How, how do you kind of process this internally? There's a certain amount of risks that you have to assume when you're just interacting with money period. And this happens in crypto. This happens outside of crypto. Um, always be careful and like double check when you're, when it's in your control, right? Now, to the extent that it's outside of your control, there are still ways that you can like do your research, right? So for example, in the tra 
in the traditional world, store your money at a legitimate, reputable bank. Uh, in crypto land, store your money with a legitimate, reputable exchange. And if you're going to use a product, at least make sure it's backed by reputable people. And these are all like public information, right? So like it's a simple Google search uh, that will probably yield those results, right? So like even doing basically the, the third simple step just to check like, hey, like I don't know how to read the code, but like is this verified or like has this been done by an auditor? And like projects will usually, I mean, that's like a point of pride, right? So like they'll also announce that. There are always kind of nuanced things here, right? Like if you're going to Google search a project, make sure that you're not following an advertisement because scammers can make ads of phishing pages. Also auditing, yes, it's a very great signal, right? The best people in the world have looked at this and said, we don't see an exploit. That doesn't mean an exploit does not exist. Because in the case of the wormhole hack, that was audited, audited by a very premier firm. There still was an exploit. So these things, you know, that's kind of why it's a little bit more rare to see a big hack like wormhole, but um, it's still common sense you could take there. I agree with that approach. I'll also add kind of my general frame here. Every time crypto, there's a hack that happens in crypto, the industry learns from it. We figure out what went wrong. We update our common sense practices. The auditors get a little bit sharper and the industry is hardened a bit more as a result. In the meantime, yeah. for you as a participant in the ecosystem, there are common sense things you can do. Make sure you're using good passwords. You're not sharing passwords. Make sure you're checking to see that the website hasn't been fished. You're not looking at some scammer's webpage. Don't trust random people on internet forums, right? And the last one in my head is if I am going to participate in DeFi, which I am, um, I want to make sure that I'm using protocols that have been very well vetted, that have backers that are very large, institutional size backers, right? So there's a bit of a thing there where you want to trust the bigger players in the space. It's a little bit more of a push that direction. That was a good plug. <laughs> I don't want it to be Coinbase chili. I really don't. I, you know, but but Coinbase, we are you know we are one of the biggest players in the space. I, there's many yeah, others that I would trust too. By the way, like it's yeah, not just Coinbase, yeah. but yeah. it is a bit of a reason for me to make sure that you know, hey, there's a bit more protection if I'm using bigger you know suppliers, bigger yeah. companies. Um, I think the the bigger bigger takeaway is that all hope is not lost. You know, like with 100%. every exploit, like people learn their lessons, both on the user behavior side and also on the technical side, right? And so I think like, you know, there are risks. It is scary, but it's not as scary if you're informed. And I think um, it shouldn't detract you from learning more about the industry or wanting to come into work through the industry yeah. um, or losing faith in participating in the industry, because I do think that um, there's a lot of uh, benefits to be had by just participating in the crypto ecosystem. Maybe I'll ask you, are you still going to play around in DeFi and, and mess around with all this stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I'm still going to be joining discords. I just might <laughs> ignore random DMs from now, you know, or just like do my homework better. But a hundred percent, like, I think um, this is my rare optimistic side, which is that like, I don't think all hope is lost. And even though I've been fished, and even though I've done maybe embarrassing things that I guess I will tell on air, um, it doesn't detract <laughs> from me participating. I, for one, like optimistic Catherine. I want to see more of it. <laughs> and of course, I mean, don't hang on to that hope yeah, because okay, this is this is a rare glimpse. Um, but yeah. But hey, it speaks to how excited you are about crypto, right? Um, you're you're definitely not deterred by the hacks or events that happen here. Neither am I. You know, just a little bit of common sense goes a long way. Um, and I am so bullish that what happens in crypto is going to be so innovative and bring so much good to the world that it's going to outweigh all of these challenges and rough edges that we're going to see getting there. Okay, well, that's a step yeah, too optimistic. That's my okay, well, whatever, okay, whatever. all right. Too I wouldn't go as far okay, as fine. saying world changing, but okay. Uh, I'll, I'll I can back away from world changing, all right, fine. But, you know, it's still very, very promising and I'm excited about it. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> Although it could anyway, be world changing. I will maintain that. There's a very real possibility it ends up world changing. Yeah. I, yeah, I will right. let you have that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, noted. Noted.
Well, anyways, um, I hope this was informative to everybody. I hope that this helps you think about risk in crypto. Uh, I hope it helps you think about the types of risk in crypto. And I really hope that Justin and I had walked through uh steps that you can take to feel more comfortable about participating within crypto and and know that you know whether it's uh in the real world or in the crypto world there are risks everywhere it's just about how how you want to de-risk it i'm also excited that i can give this episode to my mom and hopefully she can feel a little bit better about stuff because i get pings all the time oh my god this happened what do you think about it i'm like yeah it's okay it's okay like you know take the bigger picture think about you know all the things that are really happening here all this stuff right so hopefully my mom can be a little bit assured as well <laughs> yeah and and you know like Every week we ask, what are your questions? What haven't we covered? Do you feel better about managing risk in crypto? Um, let us know. Tweet at us, leave us a comment, give us a rating. Um, we're, we're all ears. I'd say that's a wrap for this edition of the Around the Block podcast from Coinbase. So thanks for tuning in. Be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. And we also have a landing page, www.coinbase.com slash around the block. You'll see all of our prior episodes and long form research. Check out that insurance piece we wrote. We talked about it. And we'll see you guys uh, next week. All right. Take care. Today's conversation is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal or investment advice. Actual results may vary materially from any forward-looking statements made and are subject to risks and uncertainties. 